to Nats Talk on the Go, the longest-running Washington Nationals podcast going today. This podcast is proudly brought to you by our supporters club, Nats Talk on the Go, Special Ops. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Drugan and Craig McHenry. Joe and Craig, let's do it. Hello and welcome to Nats Talk on the Go. we got a very special episode for you tonight. It's Craig right here, and I'm joined by none other than Ryan Sullivan, the Nats GM. How you doing, Ryan? I'm doing great, man. It's uh, what a pleasure and an honor to be uh, jumping in the chair tonight. Thank you so much for the invite. What's going on with you? Ryan is going to be guest hosting tonight. Joe is off tonight. Joe is going to be having his own little party, and he's going to have to listen to this. And Ryan's going to do his best to uh, fill Joe's uh, tiny shoes. We're going to go ahead and call them tiny shoes. I'm going out and, Lind on this one, baby. All right, I'm pinch hitting. Yeah. That's right. We're gonna we're gonna talk some baseball for a little while. We're gonna get to questions. It's gonna be a pretty standard show, I'd say. We've got a ton to talk about because we really haven't talked to you guys in a while. But you know, you guys have heard Ryan on the show what three or four times by this point. Usually talking uh, talking draft, our draft expert. We might touch a little bit on that, but maybe we'll save that for a couple weeks down the road. We'll see. Um, but. Ryan's just going to join us for uh, co-hosting duties tonight. So uh, uh, we've got the – I'm going to go ahead and say lead bat-boning expert right here. Wow, that's uh, that's high praise right there. So uh, thank you much. All right, have you been listening to Effectively Wild bat-boning? No, actually I no. have uh, – oh, You're missing out. Okay, there we go. Very nice. But I know like, – I mean I know what Three people are going to get yeah. that. <laughs> that's fine. Okay, so – the big topic that's been going on in Natstown is the same thing that everyone's talked about all throughout the off season, all throughout the regular season. The bullpen is crap. Yeah, it's a real dumpster fire. It's awful. It's actually worse than that, I think. It's so bad. It's there there's no words to describe how uh, defeating it feels to see the bullpen uh, start warming up. I mean, there's really no reliever right now that uh, really uh, gives me confidence right now. No, it was amazing. Did you see the look that Gio Gonzalez had on his face today when he got pulled? And then Jacob Turner comes in and gives a home run. It gives up the home run, and he's just looking at the manager. He just daggers that he's looking through this guy like, "How dare you pull me for anybody in the bullpen right now?" And you've seen it before. You saw it. You've seen it a couple times with Max Scherzer just saying, "Do not take me out of this game. Do not take me out of this game," because these starters. I mean, we can talk all day long about how wins and losses don't matter in the grand scheme of things, but to us as fans and as stat centric, stat forward baseball fans, uh, it doesn't matter. But to these players, it matters because this is what arbitration. This is what, uh, not necessarily front offices, but this is what media, uh, a lot of media focuses on, uh, a lot of contract stuff focuses on. So these numbers matter to the players. Wins and losses matter a lot to the players. Uh, when you're talking at end of careers, um, I know Gio Gonzalez is not going to probably be in line for Hall of Fame, but Max Scherzer, who knows? He could be, you know, Hall of Fame type career and, you know, wins and losses make a difference, uh, at least so we've seen so far. So these kind of things matter to the players, and they want 
the win for themselves, and you can't really blame them, and they want to get the job done themselves because they have the confidence that they're going to get the job done where the bullpen really has not been able to do it. Well, and think about it from Gio's perspective. You know, if you didn't watch the game today, you look at the line and you think, all right, he went five and a third and he gave up three runs and four walks and whatever it was, and you think he pitched, you know, pretty poorly. And then if you really had watched the game, you said, well, shoot, if Turner had come in and gotten a ground ball there in a double play, all of a sudden he had gone five and a third and hadn't given up a run. And you look at his outing completely differently to your point. I mean, it's it's just, it's got to be so difficult to put all your you know, your guts and your heart into every fifth day and then to watch it in one pitch go over the wall and, and you know, basically your effort's kind of gone for naught. It really has happened far too often. Uh, I haven't done a deep dive into the numbers, uh, but the blown saves uh, from, not necessarily even blown saves, but blown leads from the bullpen. And the uh, inherited, and the inherited runners is just embarrassing. I mean, they, yeah. they allow every inherited runner to come in. I mean, I know I'm exaggerating, but it's close to 50% right now. League average is around 33, 35, something like that. I mean, they're allowing everybody to come around to score. Yeah, and that's not gonna that's not gonna make your pitchers happy. And you're gonna see uh, more starts like you know Max Scherzer wanting to go into 120 pitches, Tanner Roark going past 115. You know, where we don't see that in the past. We, I mean, we've seen Max Scherzer do that once or twice but we've seen it twice already this year where he's literally said to dusty baker's face do not take me out of this game i'm staying in this is my person i've got it and to even build off your point uh, how many times have we seen strasburg go 110 115 pitches so far this year i mean this is a guy that in september couldn't throw because he was something was going on with his elbow and now all of a sudden we're fast forwarding into his eighth ninth start of of the season, sometimes they're not even particularly meaningful at the, the innings he's throwing, and you're throwing him seven, eight, nine, you know, that deep into games. It's it's ridiculous, frankly. It's it's kind of worrying uh, that it's happening within the first forty, forty five games of the season that you're seeing this workload come on to the starting staff um, with players like Steven Strasburg with an injury history. Um, you definitely do not want to see that continue to rack up. So hopefully there can be a solution uh, to the bullpen woes, which we'll get to in a little bit. But the the starting staff has been fantastic. It really has been. Uh, I haven't, like I said, looked really deeply, and I know I wouldn't have to look too deep, but I would say the starters probably don't have – too many losses on their docs, on their books. No, I would say most of the registered losses coming are coming from the bullpen. And I saw a crazy stat the other day that you know the staff ERA was somewhere, you know, well under four. But if you include the Jacob Turner twelve runs in one inning, or you know, without getting any outs, basically, it, it jumped up to like four point uh, three. Uh, Joe Blanton or, or Jacob Jeremy Turner. Guthrie? Jacob, or yes, thank you. I'm yeah. way all over the place. Thank you. Yeah. But uh, the point of trying it's to with make, a J. You're fine. Yeah, I was in the ballpark, not really, but anyways. But uh, I the, get it. That was good. <laughs> the point uh, poorly I'm trying to make is just it, like you're saying. This starting staff has been really, really good. And considering Joe Ross hasn't been healthy except for, I guess you know, two nights ago or whenever you know people are listening to this, he gave us a nice outing. But we Joe really Ross have, going eight innings. 
in a rain-soaked game, we might even we didn't even think they'd start. We thought maybe the bullpen might go. I mean, that was that was a pretty good start for him, quite frankly. I mean, yeah, I that was really nice to see and a, a, a breath of fresh air to not have to see the bullpen. But it's it's problematic that you're seeing Steven Strasburg be the best Steven Strasburg we've seen. Max Scherzer being exactly who we've seen before. Gio Gonzalez having, I'll go ahead and say it, his best real start to a season since 2012, his first season with the Nationals. And then Tanner Roark hasn't been as good as Tanner Roark knows he can be and as he has been in the past. But numbers-wise, he's been effective. Yeah, and I'm excited to see, you know, it's been a really cold uh, first couple of months of the season. I'm excited to see once it starts getting a little more humid here in D.C. and and seeing what that ball does in the two-seamer with the run, what it'll do when it warms up here in D.C. So he looked much better the other night, too. Mm-hmm. So And I, I don't know if anyone heard or if you heard on the broadcast, uh, he was tinkering in his bullpen in between starts, and he was actually having some pain in his forearm in between starts, which scares the crap out of me when you hear that. But uh, he actually figured out he was gripping the ball too tight. So he made the change in his bullpen between starts, and he was actually getting a – he loosened his grip, and he was getting a ton more run and a ton more movement on all of his pitches. And in his most recent start, what was it, two nights ago? Um, he was fantastic, I, yeah. It was amazing, and it was the Tanner Roark we've come to know and love who – you know, is uh, a top 10 Cy Young finisher. So uh, if he's made that small tweak to his mechanics, then that could make all the difference for that. But the point is, the starting staff has been better than advertised. And if Joe Ross is even 75, 80% of the Joe Ross we saw uh, in his eight-inning appearance in his first start back, then, you know, the starting staff, is hands down the best in the National League for sure. There's no so question. so Craig. What do you do with the bullpen? I mean, it, let's let, let's keep the trade talk a, a little farther down the road. But what can we do? What would you do right now to try to uh, settle this d- dumpster fire down? I mean, I, I don't know what even to do. Well, that's the problem. You don't really see trades throughout. Uh, the first two or three months of the season. You just don't see anything like that. No one wants to make a panic move. And the Nationals are not in a place in the division to make a panic move. I mean, we're talking about a team that, as of this recording, is seven and a half games up on the Braves. Their main competition going into the year was the Mets, and the Mets are literally the Nats bullpen as a baseball team incarnate. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing is we're still 10 games above 500, and we're, I mean, the rest of the division is just plain awful. So it, we're sitting here, I mean, can you imagine what the Miami Marlins podcast is sitting here saying or the or the Mets podcast is saying? I mean, they've got to be, you know, wanting to light themselves on fire, and we're sitting here complaining about, you know, our bullpen, which is just, which is awful, but we're still winning games. Yeah, we're still winning games uh, on the strength of starting pitching and offense. Um, but we're looking at the Braves, who are going to fall off soon, I would assume. Uh, a Phillies team who is young and hungry and going to be rising up the ranks in the NL East in the next couple of years. 
because they actually have management in place that knows what they're doing for the first time in ever a decade <laughs> at least yeah well they got lucky with utley and you know jimmy rollins and howard i mean that's what they did that's what they did it with and they made a good trade with ha- uh, halliday and that's pretty much that's pretty much what led them to a world series yeah i mean i, I agree with the general point yeah for sure so anyway they've actually got management that is forward thinking uh and will be and that is doing great things and it's paying dividends already you can see They've got some fight, and they've got a, a, a good young group coming up. Uh, but they're not in it for this year and probably not next year. And then we're looking at a, a Miami team that um, everyone was talking about, you know, maybe under the radar, but, you know, could possibly win 85, 86, 87 games this year. And they are terrible. They are worse than bad. And I think we're going to be looking at another – you know, fire sale, another Marlins fire sale like we've come to know and love. So this is the division the Nats have. So to get back to the original question, I don't know that there's anything the Nationals will do right now other than maybe getting Joe Nathan up here from the minors. Um, on the surface, his numbers don't look great. He, last time I looked, he had one bad appearance where he gave up, I want to say, four runs in a third or two-thirds of an inning. But other than that, he's had a lot of clean innings. So other than that one reinforcement, you just got to hope that your veteran-type players, your Sean Kellys, your, I guess we can call Blake Trinan a veteran, uh, your Ollie Perez's, kind of come back to their mean of performance based on their career numbers and that the first month or two of the season has been an aberration. And Joe Blanton was a Nats killer last year. In the in the playoffs, he was amazing. For the Dodgers down the stretch, he was incredible. And the Nationals have not been able to see that at all. So I think right now the Nationals are just hoping that things will get better because – these aren't the players that have established themselves throughout their careers, if that makes sense. Yeah, and the one criticism I do want to make, and I know it's really easy to, to pour a bunch of gasoline on this bullpen right now, but I, I do think the real one spot that I want to give a criticism to is the left side of the bullpen particularly. I mean, the Nationals didn't do enough this offseason. I mean, I know they traded for Andy Romero and, and were gambling that you know maybe the 99-mile-an-hour heat could – I mean, every pitching coach wants to work with that. I get that, and I know they were pot committed. It's Daniel Cabrera and Henry Rodriguez all over again. Exactly. And, you know, I love Sammy Solis, the hammer, shout out. But, uh, you know, he's been hurt all the time. You never thought yep. that he would make 80 appearances this season. And it, I, I for, half forgot that Perez was on the roster until he jumped in the game today. So the point I'm trying to make is they really needed to go get a number one lefty f- in the bullpen, and then they could say, all right, well, Solis or one of these guys is going to be good enough that, that we're going to be okay. But I, I really – I think that's where they really screwed up because we have no weapons against uh, against guys in the left side right now. And, uh, I mean, I don't know that that's necessarily been the number one killer. I mean, you know, the righties have been god-awful too. But Yeah, everyone, everyone's a killer. That's the problem. But I really and, think it would help yeah. if we had that – you know, Jerry Blevins was good that one year when we had him and, and from the left against lefties, and just having that one guy that 
all right, shoot, I know we can get this guy out, this lefty out in this situation, and I think it would that would help put a lot more pieces in place if you had that specialist. And I know that if sounds really dumb, but... If you had one person but, who you knew could come in and just do their job every time and be done with it. And, you know, they've, they made the mistake. I mean, I think every it's piling on now, but I think we all knew it was a mistake to put Trinan in the closer role. Uh, yep. I think that was a mistake. I know, at least I assume the thought process was we didn't want to put too much on Coda Glover early in his career, and he's only you know, uh, two years literally from being drafted at Oklahoma State. So I I get it. But on the other hand, don't you want to find out if that guy is your guy and let him sink or swim before July 31st so you can figure out if you need to go trade for and name the player and maybe that's the segue. But I just feel like that was such a short-sighted decision to, uh, I mean, if this guy you think is going to be your closer long-term, then, Figure it out. He's got to be tough enough mentally if you think he's going to be your closer long-term to be able to deal with a couple of hiccups in April. Yeah, and I think even now uh, is even more reason to do that, to make him the official closer, which do the Nationals even have an official closer? Uh, I don't think I think so. he was given the job last night or, or today, I mean, in the paper. So so let's call it that he is the official closer for now. But Okay. Um, which yeah, I think is a good move. Time. I mean, at least it gives you some definition of where you're going to go, and then you realize, okay, Kelly's probably going to handle the eighth, and yeah. Trinan hopefully is going to be in the sixth and seventh when you need a double play, and and then we I can have, have no idea what's going Matt on. The Albers yeah. in there getting the job done whenever we need to. I mean, honestly, that might have been the highlight of my season seeing him get a save. Uh, I think it was absolutely the highlight. Actually. I, that or Rendon's amazing day. Yeah, the ten, the ten RBI, RBI day is going to be tough, and, and I'm sure people are you know throwing you know things at their computer when they're listening to this now. But I love the Albers save. I mean, there's just Matt so Albers, much great about it. Out of nowhere, the second most games finished ever in a career without a games without a save, and he got in there for a save finally, and it was amazing because he's fat. And he's got the face, and it's amazing. And he's got no closer stuff. It's amazing. Three days earlier, I was tweeting about the fact that he might get a, a three-inning save because he was closing yep. down like a 21-to-1 game. And then the next thing you know, he's closing down a one-run game and, and trying to get the save. I mean, that's how bad our bullpen is. It speaks to everything the season's been. I mean, Matt Albers is the entire antithesis of what's going on. And then, like, oh, we've got a little confidence in him. Boom, he blows the save the next time. I mean, it's just, it, he is so th- everything about our bullpen. Yeah, but it's incredible that, honestly, Matt Albers has probably been the be- the second best, if not the best, reliever the Nats have had this year. And he didn't even break the break north with the club after spring. Yeah, I was going to say, if it wasn't Jacob Turner who had a, a disaster today, I was going to say, yeah, it's got to be Albers, right? <laughs> yeah, it's Albers, and I mean, Coda Glover. And even he's, for what he yeah. is, I mean, for the position he's been put in, he's been highly effective as well. Yeah, I mean, he, I know the super or the ERA is a little inflated, but yeah, exactly right. He seems to be getting his feet on on the ground right now, at least. So, as to what the Nationals do, I still honestly don't think there's much they're going to do. You're not going to see a trade for at least another month. You're not going to see that. You are going to probably see more of a revolving door. I mean, I know Matt Grace is around again. Um, I don't know how much longer they're going to put up with any Romero. 
Um, he is out of options, and that's the only reason why he really made the club. Uh, it was close. I know he had a decent spring, but you know they didn't want to lose the player after the trade. Uh, and like you said, everyone wants to work with that kind of gas. Well, and how much how much longer are you going to work with Ali Perez? At a certain point, his his salary is almost depleted. At that point, it's can you try somebody else? I mean, I, I know uh, you know you know Austin Adams is down there. I know he's a favorite of uh, your editor. I mean, maybe that's that, right. May, maybe he's a shot. I mean, I'm just. I mean, you know. Yeah, you, I think any any moves are going to be internal moves and uh, garbage heap moves. Let me, up until we get so let's talk into trade mid June. Yeah, what is what does trade deadline look like then? That that maybe yeah. or let's start July first. Anyways, trade deadline may be a little far off, but what is the July? What does July look like? Everyone's still talking David Robertson, and it makes sense. Actually, let me ask you: with that trade that was reported out there the other day, would you have pulled the trigger on that? It was uh, uh, yeah. Robertson, go ahead. I think it was Robertson and twelve million. Half of his salary was what was reported, so we'll call it twelve million uh, for Jesus Lazardo, the third round pick, I guess last summer, and then Drew Ward, who's been around for a couple of years. See, I am of the mind. I'm usually okay with trading prospects. Uh, I like to keep high level guys, but especially when we're talking guys that've been in the organization a while, you know, if they're going to be fast movers they would have made a lot more noise by now. And yes, I've heard of Drew, Roy, Drew Ward, but he's not, you know, making my spidey senses tingle. So, and a, a, a third rounder, that's fine. I I think uh, it's a very much a win now kind of thing. You're looking at Bryce Harper going into free agency next year. You're looking at a lot of changes coming for the Nationals in the next year and a half. So, I would say if you can do something to solidify the bullpen and it's not going to hurt you at the major league level, you should probably do it as long as it doesn't involve <laughs> Robles. Yeah, I was going to say, I was very surprised the team turned that trade down, to be honest with you. I mean, yeah. Even, was it the Nationals that turned it down? From what I've read and what was written, yes. I mean, they couldn't agree on the money, so I don't know. That yeah, the money me. is an interesting thing with the Nationals. And uh, that whole, you know, deferred money, I just... I just will never understand that whole thing. So it's it's above my comprehension as a baseball fan. So, but my thought is just uh, Robertson at six million a year, even if he's your setup man. You know that's what you're paying Sean Kelly right now. That's not a bad. Right. That's a. I mean, I know Robertson didn't have the greatest year last year. He's been off to a better start this year. But shoot, that uh, I don't know. I would have I would have pulled the trigger on that deal and been pretty happy. Yeah, for sure. So I mean. There comes a point, and I think Lucas Giolito's fall uh, should be, you know, the story to tell. I mean, you can have all the talent in the world and have all the accolades and be a prospect of all prospects. If you can't get it done at the major league level, you're not worth shit. Yeah, I mean, he's a great reminder that we fall in love with these prospects. Myself, maybe as bad as anybody else, but... You know, for every one that that you think is fantastic, and we and we saw the warts with Giolito, but it, it's a good reminder. You know, when I pound the table about Juan Soto and Robles and some of these guys that, you know, they don't always have to work out too. I mean, you know, for every Anthony Rendon, there's a Danny Holson. So, yep. Oh, 
is a uh, Justin Smoke. I, I there's no player I would have been more convinced was going to be a stud in the major leagues than Justin Smoke, and yep, he is not I worked mean, out. Everyone thought he was just going to walk into the majors and hit 300. Ugh, and, and 25 bombs and switch hit and play Gold Glove defense. Yeah. Yep, but anyway, I mean, Lucas Giolito, number one prospect in all of baseball, and now he's, what, in the 40s? He's Somewhere. Lu- he's lucky if he's going to pitch in a starting rotation. Yeah, so, I mean, that just that just goes to say, I mean, exactly that prospects are nice, but major league performance is everything, and if you've got uh, a player that can help you at the major league level when you're trying to win and your window is limited then you need to kind of take advantage. So, I agree. I, I, I'm very much in the win now camp. I, so I agree with you. You can always find more prospects. Yeah, definitely. And Mike Rizzo's pretty darn good at that. And so is his staff. Yeah, absolutely. So we spent a lot of time on the bullpen and the starting staff, which is awesome. And I think it's a, a perfect time to go into why the Nationals – uh, another reason why the Nationals are in the position they are, crushing the National League East. The Nationals' offense, led by hashtag Zim's back baby, Ryan Zimmerman, who did anyone besides me see this coming? I, I'm a thousand percent. I did not see it. I watched the guy for four four full days in in it's not Vieira anymore. It's West Palm and. I didn't see him hit a ball over the wall in four rounds of batting practice. I mean, this was a guy that did the bat looked slow. I, I mean, I was terrified. And I will say, I always love throwing the caveat in there. I really hope I'm wrong because it means I'm going to get to cheer the guy the whole year and eat crow every time he gets a hit. So I'm like, hey, that's yep. great. But, uh, no, I, I didn't see this at all. I mean, certainly I don't think even you saw a 370 batting average with whatever it is, 27 extra base hits at this point. But... No, no. I, I actually, I looked back at what was said uh, on our preview episode for the season. I said something along the lines of Zim's going to hit 280. I think he's going to hit 20. I think it was 20 bombs, and oh God, I think it was something like 40 doubles, maybe wow. something crazy, 35 doubles, maybe something like that. But the crazy one still is 140 games played. And, you know, he's trending that way. I mean, I, I know. I mean, he's trending well above that, for sure. And I think I mean, we'll the, see du- the doubles get- are going to be close, but, I mean, he's already at, what, 13, 14 bombs? It's re- I predicted, I think he was going to, I think my prediction was 250 batting average and 13 bombs, and I think he's got 13 bombs a couple of weeks ago. I mean, it's, yeah. he's actually slowed down a tiny bit the last few days. But your point is... Well taken. I mean, I don't know where we – I mean, he's still leading the league, I think, at batting average, if not somebody else has overtaken him quickly. I mean, this is – I mean, he's got a seven 700-plus, uh, you know, slugging percentage. I mean, this is out of control what he's doing right now. It's yeah, maybe the this best is, season he's ever had. This is a had. better Ryan Zimmerman than we've seen ever. This is not – I mean, I know I'm loving on the hashtag Zim's back, but this is a different Zim. It's completely di- – I mean, he's driving the ball to all fields, and not even just, you know, when he's going right, he's hitting the ball to right field, but he's elevating and pulling the ball hard to left field. He's hitting the ball hard to, both on the ground and in the air. I mean, it's spraying all over the field. You're not getting anything by him. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I just – it makes you think how injured he has been the last few years. 
because how could he be so good right now and he's been so lousy for the last or at least mediocre for the last few years i mean it's no it's you can go ahead and say lousy that's fine i mean it it's just kind of a, it, it makes you think you know exactly how hurt that shoulder was the last few years because mm-hmm. i mean shoot you still look at him throw a baseball and it's kind of hurt it kind of hurts just to it's watch him scary throw. but uh, i mean and he's kind of key in the offense because it's let murphy slide down to the five spot it's allowed him to break up the lefties a little bit I mean, obviously Harper is. I mean, it's amazing we've been talking for this long, and we haven't mentioned Bryce Harper, who might be, you know, the MVP candidate in the National League. But uh, yeah, definitely, I think the MVP candidate for sure. I mean, he's been. I mean, he's won two or three games single-handedly with walk-offs himself. But you know, Daniel Murphy's chugging along. I mean, I, I, we don't talk much about him. Oh, well, he's only hitting three thirty with a three eighty-five on base. I mean, it's you know, Weeters is kind of broken out a little bit as well. I know he's come back a little bit to earth, but. Obviously, Rendon has been on fire the last shoot fifteen games. Anyways, I mean, you know, yeah, no question. But it's amazing how out of nowhere Ryan Zimmerman has come. Because this was this is like found money. This is like you pull out your coat uh, in the fall and you find twenty dollars in the pocket. Like this is what it is. We we were like, okay. Where are we going to put Zim in the lineup? Is it going to be like yeah. sixth? Is it going to be? Are we going to drop him to seventh? Like, how are we going to justify having to pay this guy for so much longer? I mean, some of the when he's not getting it done. I mean, some of the conversation was how are we going to get Lind more starts and not step on his toes? We actually that was a conversation in spring. You're right. Like we were talking platoon, and now Lind is batting out of this world and can't get a bat. That's yeah, the Lind crazy thing. is out there uh, hitting. 333 with a 622 slugging. And just another and pinch hit just today. No riding the bench. Yeah. Just eight out of, what, 18 pinch hitting? I mean, just, you know, no problem. I'm ho. Yeah, that's fine. And the thing is, that's what he signed for. And, he signed and, to be a, a bench guy, but, you know, no one saw this coming. I mean, I, I, I'm never going to talk, never going to not mention how I said that Ryan Zimmerman was back. Because I did say Ryan Zimmerman was back, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that. I was right. By the way, did you pick this before the season? No one saw this coming at all. It's amazing. It's great. And I. this is a separate little tangent, I guess. But how crazy is it to you as uh, someone with a scouting background that people just realize that hitting home runs is good? You know, it's really funny that you say that because I – I was thinking about this the other day, and I was talking to a scout about this, and he, he was like, why did we think that striking out was so bad, but elevating and pulling the ball was, was, was such a bad thing as well? Why, why didn't we think that this was a good idea to trade off a few strikeouts for hitting the ball over the wall all the time? And I was like, I don't know why we didn't think of this. It's not like, you know, this is brain surgery. You know, you've got four infielders, and everybody is a perfect fielder these days, so why are you hitting it anywhere besides in the air? It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's ridiculous. It feels like what we must have felt like 12 or 15 years ago when all of a sudden the Oakland A's were like, you know, on base percentage actually means something because it's getting on base, not how you get on the base. Wait, getting a walk is just as good as getting a hit. That's not just a saying that people say. And it's probably in 20 years what people are going to be saying. Wait a minute. Why did you guys care about saves? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, that's, that's probably about right, sir. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. We're really dumb, but. To answer your question, Wait. I have no earthly idea why we didn't pick up on that elevating and pulling the ball and hitting it hard was a good thing. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, 
it's crazy that we're ignoring Bryce Harper, but Ryan Zimmerman is definitely the key to the offense right now because he is just – it's a murderer's row right now. You've got, you know, uh, Zimmerman, Harper, and Murphy and Rendon, and you can put them in any order, and you can have right, left, right, left, and just – the pitchers are terrified. I mean, it worked out a little bit for the Mariners yesterday, uh, walking Harper twice to get to Zimmerman, and Zimmerman um, didn't get it done. But <laughs> keep trying. Well, and Craig, think about this: how crazy this is. Well, we were all the talk was, all right. Well, this lineup's going to be really stacked at the top because we're going to have Trey Turner leading off, or we're going to have Adam Eaton leading off, and then we're going to have the other guy, and then we're going to go into this murderer's row and. Well, maybe if we get something from the veterans at the back of the lineup, this thing could really roll. Well, uh, Trey Turner's got about a 260 on base. He's been, you know, pretty bad with the bat, frankly. Eaton has been out now almost a month. And somehow we're leading the, the National League and run scored. I mean, it, it, it speaks to, I mean, Michael A. Taylor. We haven't even mentioned him, how great he's been, too. I mean, it, it's just really amazing how this team has gotten to be 28 and 18 or whatever the record is. Yeah, um, Michael A. Taylor is, I don't want to say a sore spot for me, but I have trouble with it because I don't believe what I'm seeing. I'm having trouble getting there. Oh, I agree. I'm ha- I agree. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm having trouble saying after all of this time that, okay, this is actually what he's doing. And this is legit because completely honestly, since Michael A. Taylor took over as, I guess we can say it took over as starting center fielder, he's hitting 300 and slugging 500. And I know this is anecdotal or whatever, but he feels like he's saving about a run a game on defense. His defense has seemed to be way better than the, I mean, uh, hold on to your butts, Nook Logan style of, I'm fast, so hopefully I can adjust my route quick enough to get there in time. I mean, I was listening to the game Friday night when they were playing the Braves, and I was listening actually to the Braves broadcast, and he made the throw home that threw the runner out, obviously saves a run. I mean, you can see that. But an earlier play in the game, he kind of rounded off a ball in the in the gap and then threw it in and kept a guy at third, didn't let him score. And the Braves announcers couldn't stop gushing over the fact that he got to the ball so fast that he didn't give him a chance to score that run. And it's things like that that Taylor does that are really amazing too, which is why I'm saying it's like he's saving a run a game with these guys. I mean, he's cutting off the balls in the gaps. Sure, I mean, he, he caught the home run ball or brought it back the other night, the throws you can see, but... I mean, he is just so fundamentally on point right now that... He had that great diving catch the other day where he came in on the ball. And if it gets by him, it's a triple or a home run. Instead, he catches it, and it completely changes the game. I mean, I thought Eaton was playing a great center field, or at least a very good center field. But, I mean, if Taylor can continue to play this type of defense, the offense is... I don't want to say it's gravy, but it... It's getting close to gravy at this point. I mean, he is a legitimate difference maker the last 20 games in the outfield. Yeah, we're talking, once again, we're talking found money. This is our backup center fielder who we really did not want to see in there. We had a guy who was going to give us six war on the season just because that's what he does in Adam Eaton. And we had to put in this guy who has been 
I, I don't know. How would you describe Michael A. Taylor over the last couple of years? Uh, fluky, uh, streaky, any I'm, word you want to say, but consistent. Stuck in the um, mud is the way I would say it. He never got the opportunity to fully play, and when he would, something would happen. He wouldn't get off to a good start. He would get hurt. He would whatever. I mean, he just never got that, all right, you're the man for 50 games, man. Here you go. And, you know, something would always happen. And now, you know, he's played like you said. I mean, the numbers are saying it. He's earned himself another 30-game audition. And maybe it's even an audition to the trade deadline to see what we're going to do. But he's certainly earned the opportunity to keep playing. Well, I'm just not – right now, I'm not even looking at the trade deadline. I'm looking at the off season. I'm looking at the Nationals have Brian Goodwin – who has provided also solid defense when he's been in there. He's looked pretty good in the field. He's looked not as good at the plate, which is to be expected because, I mean, he's Brian Goodwin. Um, but I'm looking at if Michael, a., if this is going to be Michael A. Taylor and he's going to hit, even if he falls back down to earth at 275, 280, and he's giving you this kind of defense in center field, that's a commodity. Yes. That's a, that's that's gonna, a good word, that's a, too. That's what, what do we call it, a Division II uh, starter? You know. Yeah, I mean, he starts on 15 teams in the major leagues, if, yeah. that, if that's what he's doing. No question. Uh, particularly while he's hard cheap. To find. Particularly while he's still under cheap ARB. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm looking at the offseason. I'm seeing, you know, Adam Eaton as much as people are going to hope and pray, is not going to be back Correct. this season. You know, He's not going to pull a Kyle Schwarber and be back for the World Series. It's just not going to happen. And by the way, a newsflash, Chris Heisey's not coming back either if he ruptured a bicep tendon. Dude. I, I he's not coming back either. I, I can that, tell you. When your wife who works in the medical profession gives you the grimace face, he's not coming back for the year. So. He had to have had something off before that, by the way. The swing look, they showed a little clip of it before the game today, and they had the BP session, and it just looked like like a snake bit him. I mean, it was just one of those sayings, like, when you pull a hamstring or you miss a step and you just jack up your ankle. I mean, that's what it looked like. It just, like a, sh- a jolt of lightning got him, and he was just like, all right, I'm done. Like, th- there was no, like, oh, maybe I'll work this out, or it was a little cramp or something. He was like, no, I'm done. Like, so. Well, yeah, what, I, what I'm saying is, like, he had to have some kind of little small tear. Oh, for sure, that, for sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's been crap. <laughs> I, I mean, once again, he's been getting no opportunity, but yeah, exactly. Right. He has not even been hitting the ball with force to make you think, oh, well, if he well, just Well, yeah, even more. the opportunities he's been getting, he has not taken advantage. But anyway, uh, Michael A. Taylor going into the offseason, you know, Adam Eaton will be back next year, and he's under team control for quite some time, so... You're not going to see Michael A. Taylor as the starting center fielder in 2018. That's just not going to happen. Well, you know, do you move Eaton to left? I mean, this is putting a lot of carts before the horse, but if all of a sudden Taylor really starts to to continue this and even maybe take a step forward from what he's doing, I mean, that's at least a consideration. I don't think you make that move yet. I agree with because, you. But it gives you more flexibility. Yeah. Who's sitting there not too far away? I agree with you. That's not a bad point, though. That's a good point. Although, if Taylor's still under control, maybe it gives you the buffer for a year. I'm just throwing it out there. It gives you more flexibility, is the point you're making, too. This is true, but that's a whole other conversation. 
Um, but anyway, you know, that's a, that's an asset right there that could get you a, a, at least a piece or a, a prospect or two in the off season, which is always nice to have, but it's, it's found money right now. And that's great because he's been much better than I expected. And I'm happy to take my, my kudos for being completely right about Ryan Zimmerman being back, baby, uh, and take my crow on Michael A. Taylor you know, not being complete crap. So, and I very rarely get into the personal side, but Taylor's a great guy, and it's just kind of yeah. nice to see him actually, you know, having some success as well, just on on a personal level, not just because he's a national, but just because he's a good guy. So, yeah, I remember uh, a story from a friend of the show, NLB Snats, Johan, good man. Uh, when he went to Pittsburgh uh, for he was it was right around I think it was Michael A. Taylor's debut. And he had the same Uber driver as Michael A. Taylor. And Michael A. Taylor actually gave tickets to the Uber driver. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Now, Johan's yeah. the guy with the rag arm, right? He can't really throw a good fastball? No, no. It's it's much slower <laughs> velocity than mine. I thought so. It, yeah, it almost absolutely. looked like a lollipop compared to yours, right? Yes, okay, it is. Just it's checking. very much of a lollipop. That is good memory, good recall. His is like a, a 40. Mine's easily a 70. I mean, you know, there are flames coming off yours. His is kind of just sputtering a little bit, you know. Yeah, from what it's, it's true. It's true. So, anyway, um, okay, so Michael A. Taylor, we touched a little bit on Trey. Is there anything you see about Trey Turner? What is going on with him? Why is Trey Turner not Trey Turner that people were touting as MVP candidate Trey Turner? What's going on? Uh, the only thing I really see, and, and this is without going it, it back and looking at a bunch of video, but it, it seems like the pitchers are no longer challenging him, thinking he's a, a small middle infielder that can't hit you know, good velocity. And it seems like now they're respecting him and pitching him like a, a major leaguer and they're throwing him some slop away. And I've, just, I've really noticed him not getting in good counts, and, and he's struggling with the break and pitch, particularly the spin away from him, like a right-hander throwing a, a curveball or a slider away. It just doesn't seem like he's either taking it or just having enough wherewithal to just kind of slap it over to the right side and, and there's a good chance he can beat it out or he'll get it to, to right field. So I, I think some of it's just yeah, put a lot of really, pressure on it himself. Like he's trying to pull that outside ball. And, you know, I think some of it's he's trying to jumpstart himself. You know, every, the, the MVP talk was there. The lineup's going great, and he's the one guy struggling, and he's at the top, so – you kind of keep trying harder to get yourself going and you dig yourself a deeper hole. And I, I'm, I'm worried it's, it could be one of those things where, you know, his season numbers may be affected by this just because you dig yourself such a hole. But it, I don't think that there's anything. I don't think he's hurt. I don't think it's a mechanical thing. I think the league's adjusted a little bit and now he needs to adjust back and get a little bit of luck and, and draw better counts. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's hard to see because, his game comes – I mean, he's a great hitter. He's got s sneaky pop that's not so sneaky anymore, but his game is his speed. And he can beat out a grounder every now and then, but he's not going to beat out every grounder. And right now he's just hitting ground balls to the infielders constantly. Yeah, and, and totally agreed. And when he's going right, he's hitting a lot of line drives and you know hard shots of that nature, You know, particularly what we saw more at the end of last season. So – I don't know. You know, the, the major leaguers are pretty good, and the word gets around about you pretty quick. So, 
I'm not worried, but it's the same old thing. He's just got to adjust a little bit. Yeah, I agree. It's it's hard to watch, and that's just one other thing. The Nationals are you know in a great position right now as it is, and that's without an MVP candidate at the beginning of the year doing anything at all. Uh, do you think the hamstring is in his head a little bit? I mean, you know, the, I'm completely speculating at this point. I don't know. Oh, of course. That's I mean, all we do. I think we, it, don't, I think it's, we don't know anything. I think it's much more that the fact that he probably didn't hit for 15 days probably had a bigger effect than, than the actual hamstring did itself. But yeah, I, I just I feel like he's just a little off with his timing, and it, I don't know. I, like I said, I mean, I don't see anything mechanically wrong with him. I just see a combination of bad luck com- combined with, you know, it seems like he's always 0-1 or 1-2 or, or he's just not in – He's not getting enough two zero counts to really try to drive the ball, and, and you know where he's going to get a fastball and try to pull it. So, yeah, that makes some sense. Um, anything else Nats related that we didn't get to that you want to hit on before we get to questions? Uh, let's do questions, man. Questions are fun. Questions. We got a ton of questions, and I haven't seen a lot of them, so this is going to be fun. Well, I've seen oh. zero, so that tells me how prepared I am. So let's roll. <laughs> okay, how nasty was Coda Slider on Wednesday? Oh, okay. All right, I got a good one for this. Okay. It was how nasty was that the question? How nasty that, was it? How nasty was it? Okay, I'm going Valerie Malone, Beverly Hills 90210 nasty because there was wow. a because there was a definite filth angle to it as well. And that there was also a uh, kind of almost a sexiness to it. So I'm going with the dirty Valerie Malone from 90210, circa about 1995. Goodness gracious. Wow. I'm going the uh, the dude from Wild Things. Ooh, okay. Yeah. That, that kind of, yeah. Yeah. It was a little bit nasty. Mm, not even a little bit, yeah. A little bit nasty. Just a little bit, a little bit, yeah. Uh, on what date will we trade for a relief pitcher, and who will it be? Huh. You want me to go first? Or you want to go first, brother? Um, on what date? It's going to be... I think it's going to be early July. I think it's going to be like July 7th, and it's going to be someone that everyone doesn't think is going to be any good, but is going to be really good. I don't have a name, but it's going to be... Someone that's like, oh, that guy. Yeah, he exists. That's cool. I'm going to go with uh, June 25th and Brad Hand from San Diego. Nice. Gonna, San Diego is a seller. I like it. Brad Hand is Left-handed good one. help. That's going to be the first deal, and then we're going to go for the closer later. That's what I'm going Beautiful. With. And that was from Nat's bankruptcy, by the way. I like him. All right. Okay, this is from Beth Rich. Uh, I like which her too. Star Wars character would you like someone to crochet for you? A woman next to her last night was crocheting Admiral Akbar. We get all the questions, man. Uh, this is how we roll. You're going to have to answer this because I've never seen Star Wars. Holy God. Uh, I mean, when I was like three, but that was 30 years ago, but I literally wow. don't remember. So I'm. I'm uh, uh, Chewbacca? Wow. Wow. There you go. Okay, we got Chewbacca. As long as you didn't, didn't say Jar Jar Binks, that's fine. I don't even know who that is. So, yeah. Wow. That's, you know what? You're better off. You're better off than all of us. I'm probably uh, I'm going to say BB-8. I want BB-8 on my crocheted <laughs> thing. Right. Uh, we talked about Trey. Let's see. 
Where do I find the Nationals offense? We already found it, so that's good. Talked about Michael A. Taylor. Who do you who do you want to trade for to bolster the pen? Says Michelle, a Nats fan. Um, I already gave the one answer, but I would like to see another reliever as well, another closer. Yeah, I would definitely like to see a closer. I once again, I don't have a name. How about AJ? You. Can we steal AJ Ramos from the Marlins? I think the Marlins are going to be ripe for the picking. I think that might be whether they're willing to, try to, to trade within. I, I'm interested to see what happens with their whole selling the team situation because it seems like Jeffrey Loria is in the biggest I don't give a fuck yeah. of all time. I could see that because Ramos makes like seven million. I think he might have one more year in ARB. They may try to sell some pieces to make the price of what the payroll is for the people that are going to buy the product to come in to be cheaper. I could definitely see them clearing him. That would make a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, that would be a nice deal. That would be that would be uh, that'd be really nice as long as it's someone that doesn't beat women. So there we go. Well, that, that's a high water mark. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, what former Nat are you most looking forward to seeing play in D.C. this year for his new team? This is from Jen Vandygirl. Love me some Vandygirl. Uh, you're going to have to start. I'm going to have to think about that one a second. Whew. What former Nat? Let's see. I mean, the, the easy answer is Ian Desmond. Oh, sure. Although, of course. I guess he hasn't come through town yet. No, so that that is the easy answer, and, and Ian is great. That That's... Okay. That's the that's the easy answer. Uh, I'd have to think of someone off the wall. Ramo, uh, Drew Storin. Ramos doesn't uh, come through town, does he? Uh, he might. I believe we are on an AL East this year. No, we're not on AL East this year. We're on AL West. So no, uh, Danny Espinosa for me. I think I'm going Desmond in that one. Although if Wilson yeah. Ramos is coming through, that's my real, that's my top answer. But I'm I'm going with Desmond. I, hey, we're I, we're on the AL we're on the AL West yeah. one, obviously because the Mariners were just here. So yeah, I, I, yeah, that's definitely the one for me. Yeah. So I, I'd like to see Desi. I like Desi. I think he would have been a a nice fit. I like to, his new mustache. To, to I mean, it's not really new, but it's kind of more thick and filled out. I kind of like it. Yeah, I want to see good. what's going on. How do you feel about high socks? Yes or no? Um, are we talking? Do you about, like the high socks or the, or the pajama pants? We're talking baseball players, right? Not like yes, we the are. way I'm rocking around town. Okay, we're not talking about you and your schoolgirl outfit wearing your high socks. We're not talking about that. That's for later. Okay. That's for other podcasts. It's a little uncomfortable. Okay, that's for Catholic schoolgirls on the go. Britney Spears, one more time. There we go. That's right. Um, I, I'm a high sock guy. If I don't have I to wear well. them, if I don't have to wear them, I'm a high sock guy. Now, when I played ball. I couldn't stand them. I was the low sock guy, but now if really, else, they were too uncomfortable. And stirrups were a disaster. Yeah, no. So, but I'm a, if somebody else is rocking them, like Bryce and something. Oh yeah, the high socks for sure. I was always, uh, I was always stirrups. I always wore a high, uh, high, high cuff and with the stirrups. Uh, I went with the socks that had the little fake stirrup. Going the fake up. stirrups. Oh god. Where it just cuts off right above the shoe, so you can tell they're fake. Oh, and it looks god awful. Yeah, for sure. Why didn't they just keep it going the whole length of the sock? Why would you stop it? Yeah, why didn't they just go underneath it all the way? Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, to save that extra eight cents in material, I don't know. <laughs> you know, maybe just, the person uh, that asked about the Star Wars crochet, maybe she can help us, or he can help us with that answer. Maybe. 
Um, okay, Mike Rizzo and Billy Bean are in the same park next weekend. Does he? Does a deal get done? Well, we kind of already said no, but goodness. They do does. like to trade with each other. And they do have some bullpen help and a couple of bats. Uh, I'm going to go with no because it's too I easy to say I don't think a yes. trade gets done. It's too early. I but, trade, yeah. but I, I do think like a trade where, gets – a seed gets planted. I like where that person's head is at, though. I will say. Yeah. I like that is uh, Patty M. Because Patty M is – like we're going to feel really dumb if a trade happens. And they were like, oh, yeah, well, it was Bean and, and Rizzo hanging out for three days. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. So, And I'm totally going to not give her any credit. So, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, no, sell that one for sure. Yeah, no, no, no. Oh, yeah. Let's see. What What are your – oh, man, this is a deep question. What are your good, three good surprises, three bad surprises, and three predictions going forward? Let's cut it down to one of each. Good surprise, bad surprise, and a prediction going forward. Well, a thousand percent for the surprise has got to be Zimmerman for me, batting 370. I mean, that, that's almost too easy, but that that's the surprise for me. Yeah, um, there's no other surprise. I guess um, Matt Elbers being really good. That That's a good one. That's I mean, that's only to be to not say the same thing. <laughs> I've, also been, I've been impressed with Matt Wieters, too, more so than I thought. But that, I mean, it can't even be in the same sentence or paragraph to, to what Zimmerman's doing. But just right. to give something that's not Zimmerman, I'm going to say... Something that's not Zimmerman, yeah. I'm going to say Wieters it, overall nice. is going to be my BS answer to that one. So My bad surprise is um, uh, Trey Turner. I thought he was just going to come in and be Trey Turner, and he's not. <laughs> Um, the bullpen is too easy an answer, but I really did think that at least the bullpen was going to have six guys that were going to be kind of above average. I, I worried that they didn't have the pure closer, but I didn't think that the problem was going to be in the sixth, seventh, and eighth inning like it's been. I mean, I think that's been the real disappointment. Like the Blake Trinans and the any Romero's and, and Solis getting hurt and Blanton being a complete disaster and, and Kelly not getting the job done. I mean, I, I think the that has been the real I mean, disappointment's not even the right word. I'm just stunned at how bad it's been. Yeah, bullpen. Uh, uh, but that's not really a surprise, though. I mean, the bullpen has been topic one since All right, I'm going to go with October. One. I'll give you another one. How bad Jose Lobaton is. That that He sticks in my craw, and he's that guy that just drives me crazy. So that's going to be... Had a nice double today. Uh, well, time, first time for the <laughs> hit. Blind <Yeah>. score. <laughs> I mean, Ad is... Uh, Average and on base together, and it's about his weight. So you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, prediction going forward. Wow. Any prediction? Anything you got? Um. Let's see. That's a tough one. Wow. Uh. You go first. Let me think about. This I think Trey Turner is going to hit three hundred for the rest of the season. That's not a bad one. I like that. Um. How about this one? I'm going to go with Michael A. Taylor plays good enough center field that we don't need or think about getting a starting center fielder. I like it. That's great. That's I mean, a good one. I mean, maybe you get a platoon guy or something at the de- trade deadline. but they don't, depth. But you don't go and get a uh, Lorenzo Cain. He plays so good that you don't need to go that's, with a stud. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the prediction. Yeah, you don't need to waste an asset in the in the farm. I mean, you maybe go get a John Jay rather than a... And John Jay is not going to be tradable, but you get my point. You don't need to go get a stud. Yeah. 
Yeah, you don't need to get someone really, really good. <laughs> okay, uh, the favorite. What are you drinking? Oh, uh, I am drinking Magic Hat Number Nine. Wow. Okay, Magic Hat Number Nine. Not One quite a pale ale. Not quite pale ale, but uh, I will say it's probably been one of my underrated go-tos for a long time. I mean, I, nice. I remember drinking uh, – although the truth is Magic Hat was one of the first crafts that was kind of readily this is out true. there. So, but uh, Magic Hat's one of my favorites. So, And their, uh, their Wacko, which they haven't done in several years, is probably my favorite beer on earth. So, Wow. Kevin Goldstein would be proud because it's a little bit fruity. It's – I think my favorite beer I've ever had. It is so wow. good, and they won't bring it back. And I tweet them every year to bring it back, and they will not bring it back. Oh, that's that's heartbreaking. Yeah, it just shows the pull of the Nats GM and the Nats GM show. It's not quite as strong yeah. as it needs to be. Maybe we'll have maybe we'll have to tweet it from Nats Talk on the Go and see what kind of pull we can get from here. Well, you are a beer guy. I mean, you should have a little stroke in this range, right? Come on, a, it's, it's, I have a little bit of pull. I mean, you I'm know, kind of a big deal. I mean, you know, you got a big promotion. Everybody's hearing about, you know, Mr. Big Shot now. You know, come on. That's right. Who do you think you are, Mr. Big Stuff? <laughs> I'm that guy. That's right. <laughs> okay, let's see. What are you drinking? You didn't no, you just no sold it. What are you drinking? What? Oh, oh, I totally did. I totally just skipped out. Uh, I'm drinking a Two Roads Brewing Company Road to Ruin Double IPA right now. All right, you got to tell me a little bit more about that because I don't know that company. Two Roads out of uh, Connecticut, uh, new to this area. This is a double IPA, 8%. It is my second of the night, and so I'm feeling quite good. Um, saucy. It's uh, more of the East Coast style of the double IPA, so it's got a nice malt backbone. It's not super duper hoppy. Uh, it's got a little bit of sweetness to it, uh, but not overpowering at all. It's not going to peel paint with hoppiness, but... It's gonna, it's gonna take you where you need to go. So, as they say, it'll slap your tongue. That is right. It, it's not gonna wreck your palate, though. So, uh, I'm a big fan, and I'm gonna be actually up in Connecticut to visit the brewery next month. So that'll be fun. Hook your boy up. That's right. Uh, this is from John Fang. Please rank these catcher skills from least to most important. Arm. Glove work, framing, and handling pitchers. Um, let's see. I'm going to go judging by what baseball pays you for right now, and I'm going to go with uh, framing, uh, handling pitchers, whatever the other one was, and then arm. Glove work? Glove work and then arm. I don't know what the difference between framing and glove work is, to be completely honest. I'm thinking he's meaning like blocking pitches in the dirt. I'm is what I was going was what I was assuming, but that could not be correct at all. So yeah, who knows? But, but I yeah, love, fr- but I love me some fang. Where, so. where the money is right now? One hundred percent. If Jason Castro can get a twenty-four million dollar deal because he can frame, that's what they're paying for. So. Yep, I completely agree. And handling pitchers because pitcher pitchers are babies. That it, I will just say unique. That's maybe yeah. No, they're weird. Yeah, they're just weird. Yep. Uh, let's see. Let's see. That that one's a really weird question. Um, yep, gonna skip that one. Gonna skip that one too. Something about Peruvian chicken. Okay. I can promise you, I have no hot take on that one. 
Uh, it's delicious. Except I don't eat it, so. Oh, that's too bad. Should there be more emphasis on bullpen coaching? I would think that that might be the only coach that hasn't seen an explosion of some type of trying to get an overqualified person for the position. So I would say that there might be something to that. I don't think that it's the Nationals' problem that their bullpen coach stinks, and that's why the bullpen's terrible, if that's kind of what the question's asking. But I do think there's something to be said for having a guy that can kind of corral them a little bit, give them an, a heads-up of when they're coming in. Hey, uh, you're probably coming in to face this righty, and this righty doesn't like this pitch or that pitch, or he does like this and he does like that. I mean, I do think there's probably some value to that. I'm sure all 30 of them are saying the same thing virtually the same way, but... Yeah, that probably takes... I mean, it's all relationship with the manager, though. Right, and and I think maybe it's just... And being on the same page with the manager. And honestly, a monkey could do that. (laughs) Well, I think some people are better communicators than others. Absolutely. Just in in life, I think that would help. Some people... uh, Two people can say the exact same thing to you, and sometimes you hear one person better than the other. Certainly, and, and... you know, if they can speak multiple languages, that probably really helps because you seem to have a lot of, at least often, you'll have a, a Hispanic player in the minor in your bullpen. So I would think maybe that would be beneficial. But then again, every team has to have a Hispanic-speaking coach. So I, I'm sure that there's something to be said for that. But I, I wish I had more insight into it. I mean, if we're talking. Um money not being spent on places that it could be spent on. I mean, the elephant in the room is the minor leagues and playing oh, pay- sure. players a liter- uh, living wage. But oh, it's disgusting. You know. That's disgusting, and that's probably my biggest hot button is you know the fact that they treat these people, you know, or they don't even treat them like people. They treat them kind of like dirt in a certain respect. Like, well, you're supposed to be so honored that we're giving you a chance to try to make the major leagues that – you should be happy that you're making $1,100 a month for six months, and then we don't pay you in the off season. And oh, by the way, you've got instructs that you've got to be down here for that we don't pay you for. I mean, it's it's just disgusting. But yeah, that could be a whole other podcast in and of itself. That yeah, that that that's one I want to explore at some point because it's I mean, it's I mean ridiculous. The, the annual pension that Bud Selig receives, you could give each minor league player about five thousand dollars extra a year in salary. Just think I about that it. for a second. I did the math once. It's gross. Literally, you could almost double their salaries every year by just cutting out Bud Selig's annual pension. Yeah, he doesn't need it. Yeah, that's the point. But, you know, and I think that it would be fantastic if we could pay these guys to the point where they could actually, you know, not sleep, you know, seven to a room in an air mattress. It might be nice. but And I'm wondering when the first team is actually going to do something. Because that's what so, happens. It's the first team that doesn't, then everybody has to play catch up. So. Right. It's it's the extra two percent. You know who's gonna who's gonna step up and spend the extra literally two million dollars a year to get the best talent and pay your minor leaguers that much more money to get the better talent. There's no. It's question. it's insane well, that no one's done it yet. You know, but. Uh, anyway, that's yeah. like like we just said. Uh, that's a, a little bit of a tangent. Uh, separate topics. I, just, for, I, I uh, always find uh, it very day. interesting when billionaires who have made their money in business are being told that they can't spend it a certain way to let people have generational changing money for their families. I find that very interesting. But yeah. 
And now for something completely different. What is the most unusual item you own that has a Nats logo on it? Oh my God, that's going to be that's a hell of a question, Jesus. Yes. Um, I'm staring at a cork board right now that's got a, a Nats W that I spray painted. I, I think that would be pretty. Uh, that's up there. Uh, I made a sign out of bottle caps that says Nats. That's pretty solid. Let's see what so, else. I'm just looking at my basement right now in the studio. I'm just looking at stuff. Um, I've got a uh, beer tap. I've got a beer tap that's got a, a W on it. I'm looking at. I've Dude. Got Mardi Gras beads. Uh, let's see. How about over the pool table, the pool light? That That's Nats. That's pretty unusual. I think my Termel sledge jersey is probably unusual. Oh, that's pretty sweet, actually, that you still yeah. got it more. Does it still fit? And I've got a Tony Armas as well. Oh, wow. Tony Armas yeah. Jr. Very nice. Uh, I'm going to have to. I, I, I'm going with the cork board right off the bat, but. I'm actually looking at a Jason Worth picture that uh, Paul Nichols picked, painted, and that's got a W on it. That's kind of it's pretty cool, but well, yeah, I, don't know. I don't know. This is a tough question. That's a good one, though. It is a good one. Uh, let's see. Outside of the fact there are no rainouts, is there something you like about baseball venues with roofs? Hmm. I'm going to say no. There's nothing I like about them. And I grew up watching games in the kingdom, so no. Um, as an Irishman, I'm not a. Uh, I, I like having the option of a little shade, so I'll go with that. That that might be something that's a positive. Yeah, nothing. I got nothing. Uh, what baseball stadium that everyone loves do you hate, and vice versa? Oh wow! I'm gonna have to be very careful with my answer here. Um, yes, you are. Oh, wow. Okay. Um. Uh, I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and jump in while you're thinking. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I love the Marlins uh, home run statue. I love it. It's I so think it's awfully, amazing. It's so awfully I think it's tacky. Spectacular. It's kind of awesome. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's Florida. It's Miami. It's it's beautiful. And it's unique. And I think that should happen more in baseball. I think there should be more unique things in baseball like that. I think it's awesome. I also I love the Mets apple. Don't at me. Don't you dare at me. Those are good answers. Those are so I love I love them. I'm sorry. I do. I think they're great. I think anything that uh, you know is a little bit not necessarily local flair, but I think anything that's super quirky and weird. Uh, Bernie, Bernie Brewer going down his slide. I think that's awesome. That stadium's sweet. That's a great yeah. stadium. I think that kind of stuff is awesome. I love that there's a pool in Arizona. Uh, I really, as stupid as it was, I thought it was great that there was a hill in Houston. Yeah. I just didn't and like the potential for people getting injured, but I liked it as well, yeah. I didn't like the the flagpole in in, in play. But I like the hill, but, you know, I like uh, anything that can make individual places more unique uh, or unique in the first place because you can't be more unique because unique is one of a kind. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I'm, so, yeah. I'm going to go with Dodger Stadium. I've never been there, but that looks like the most generic-looking stadium I've ever seen. It looks ugly. Like all nice. the seats and the box seats, uh, 
That stadium does nothing to have. I guess if you really look in the distance, it's got a nice view. But otherwise, that stadium to me just looks like it's old and like what I would hope to expect when I pull into a double-A ballpark. I mean, it, nice. I, I, I've never understood the appeal of Dodger Stadium. Uh, maybe you got to be there, but I, I'm throwing a bunch of shade at that one for sure. That's a great answer. I like it. Um, is there anything you, any stadium you love that everyone else hates or any quirk like um, I mentioned? Well, I would be the first one to say, and I'm not sure everybody hates it, but Hagerstown Sun Stadium. It, Dude, I love it. I love that stadium too. It gets some complaints it's what, because from the thirties and it's not modern. You know, it, they haven't really updated it. I guess some of it's the fact that they don't know if the Suns are going to be there long term or not, but, uh, Free parking, it's really easy to get to right off the road. The sight lines are fantastic behind home plate when I'm trying to uh, scout. You can get video really easy. Seats are cheap. They've got a great cheeseburger. The beer garden's good. I don't have a pro- I don't see any problem with the stadium. You start checking off the, the things for me. I mean, the tickets are cheap. I, I think it's the best stadium experience you can get. I mean, Frederick's has got a great stadium, too. Uh, it's a little pricey is the only negative to that one. But, I mean, shoot, Hagerstown for me is the place to be. Yeah, the last time I went there to Hagerstown was, I want to say 2011, Bryce Harper was playing for Hagerstown, and it was a 10.35 oh, yeah. s- start time. I probably was there. Shoot. Probably. <laughs> it was amazing. I don't miss a 10.30 game anywhere in this town. It's great. It was great. It was it was awesome, and uh, McCaddy's son pitched. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! We drafted him in like the thirtieth round a few years ago. I remember yep. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. McCaddy's son pitched. Yep. So I loved Memorial Stadium. That's a great. It is a great stadium. I, anybody that's listening to this, it's definitely worth that the drive up. Left center was monstrous. And you, you kind of realize if you take a double and a triple take that it's actually sloped upward. So if somebody actually hits a home run to left field, it, it's a pretty good shot. I mean, it's you nice. gotta really hit it. So no, I loved it. It was like scout day or something like that, or camp day. It was it was great. Oh, so you got the SpongeBob SquarePants song screamed in your oh, ear. It oh, it was fantastic. Great. But I was home by yeah. 4 o'clock. Little known fact, I actually take earplugs to those games, so I cannot hear that. So, yeah. Beautiful. I love it. All right. We still have a lot more questions, so I hope you don't have plans because we're having fun. No, my dog's okay. staring at me doing nothing, so it's perfect. Let's roll. Let's see. Looking through, looking through. Everyone's just talking on our feet. It's fun. Who is the Nats' best? Excuse me. Who has the best bat flip on the Nats? Oh shoot! Um, it's either Bryce or Worth. I was gonna. Bryce was uh, well. Worth has got a good one too, but he doesn't seem to irritate people as much with his bat flips as Bryce does. And that's the whole point of a good bat flip is to irritate the other people. So I'm going with Bryce. That's true. Yeah. But Worth has that's- got a really solid because it's like the flip and it's to the right. I mean, it, he's got some power to it. I, yeah. He might actually have the better bat flip, but it doesn't irritate people as much. Yeah. He he's got the he's got the fundamentals. Yes. He's but an he eight, doesn't he's have an the eight. extraneous, yeah. He's an eight bat flipper. He just doesn't quite get the seven reaction that you need. Exactly. Exactly. And Bryce Bryce Harper's gonna get the reaction regardless, even if he gets even an eight if reaction, he's missing yeah. a couple things. He you can know? blow his nose and he's gonna get an eight reaction. It's amazing. That's right. Yeah. 
So no, I think I think Worth is a great bat flipper. Uh, I would love to see a bat flip from someone ridiculous. So I want a Tony Rendon bat flip because it would just be so out of character to see a bat flip from Rendon. It would be so great. That would be amazing. Like a Jose Bautista legit, like, okay, I'm just totally showing you up and trying to throw it in my dugout kind of style. That would be great. Yeah, that would be uh, amazing. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Any other questions? What country or region will be the next hotbed for baseball? Uh, I've been saying Brazil for a couple of years, but I think Brazil is... is if I was going to go move somewhere and try to be a scout, that would be where I would go. Brazil, nice. You're not going to Europe, huh? You're not going to, let's see, the Pirates just had uh, someone from, what, I want to say, Lithuania and South Africa? I mean, it, no. you, I mean, you can find talent anywhere, but I just, yeah. I would love to go to Brazil now in, in South America with the climate and try to grab all the play, all the kids that are told at 10 or 11 years old you're not good enough to play soccer. Hey, well, maybe your feet aren't good enough to play this sport, but how about how's your hand-eye coordination, son? Like, that's where I would I would love because all the they've got a huge population, the climate's perfect, and they obviously have a very athletic climate. I mean, they I just, made some noise in WBC qualifying too. I believe they had who was their manager? Uh, uh, shoot, it was a shortstop. It was a. I'm, I, I can picture. I'm seeing his face in my mind's eye, and I want to really say it's Robbie Alomar, but it wasn't Robbie Alomar. No, 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 no. But it was, I know who you're talking about. I can see it in his because Sandy Alomar was one of the coaches as well for another team. But yeah. that was not. Shoot, somebody will tweet it. Tweet us in, of course, tomorrow when we publish this or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but yeah, that would be my spot. What about you? Um, I would say India. Yeah, that's a good one too. I mean, that's a. Good, I mean, that's a good one too. I, I, I mean, it, obvious parallels to cricket. And that you population know. is, what, 1.3, 1.4 billion people? I mean, it, it's it's a large This population. is something that's always uh, – I'm going on a tangent because, once again, this is what we do. Um, the fact that India never gets, like, gold medals and shit in the Olympics is staggering. Like – and they I, have all the people in the goddamn universe, and, and India like is never a, there and in a, like the medal counts. And that's not a poor cl- uh, country, right? I mean, I, it's a it's a pretty poor, poor country. It is okay. Well, maybe that's it's the a problem. pretty poor country. Because I always think of it, and maybe because I'm thinking of the stereotypes in the Bollywood and all that stuff, you think of it as more of a of a wealthy cl- uh, culture than I than it is. But I'm with you. I th- that's an interesting idea as well. I mean, shoot, you know. How about Russia? I mean, that's a huge country, although they're all playing ice hockey and the weather's terrible, but that would be an area as well. Yeah, it's no uh, po- politics aside. I mean, you, know. you could say Germany. I mean, there's a lot of Americans in Germany that could teach the game. And you really Italy. Thought, and you thought the Max Kepler with the twins, uh, who's German descent, you thought that maybe, and I know saying, oh, well, you got one player from a country, maybe that'll spur it. That sounds so dumb, but I did think that maybe we might see more of a growth from that country because of him because he is a good player so i would love to see something like israel because they made some noise in the world baseball classic by the way did you know that uh wiseman uh rhett wiseman who played for the for the peanuts and and played for team israel probably made five times as much money playing in the wbc as he does playing for the peanuts every year 
Yeah, I listened to what podcast did you hear that on? Because I heard the same podcast. Yeah, it was mine with <laughs> with uh, yeah, it was Josh Kutchin, yeah, the agent. Yeah, it, it was well. just amazing to me that he was telling me that the amount of money that those guys were making in the WBC, and then you realize they yeah, get back oh yeah, to yeah, yeah. It, no was, money. it was uh, it was Kush. It was Kushner, right? It mm-hmm. was uh, it's it, Yeah, Kushner. Kushner's was... got a completely different connotation now. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> hey yo. No, I totally heard that, and I was like, I, I had no idea that uh, they were uh, they got what revenue was it? It's it's a crazy amount of money what they get. I forgot what the exact or marketing. Method. Yeah, but it was it's big money. But it was like no wonder. Well, shit. I mean, the Nats had what two guys playing for Israel, maybe? Yeah, I, uh, Wiseman for sure. And was it the catcher that was just traded? Rickens, Nick. Uh, I never get his Nick Rickens, maybe. I can't even remember. Somebody but, will correct yeah, me, but I, mean, I think that's his name anyways. No wonder like these lower level guys are wanting to play because I mean and yeah, it's that, that was an interesting perspective yeah. for sure. And if you haven't uh listened uh to the Joshua Kuznick experience uh on the the Nats GM radio network <laughs> with the Baron, which your new theme song is amazing by the way. Well, thank you for that. Uh, I love it. But in all seriousness, Josh is a is an MLB certified agent, and it's a podcast I do, and it's a really it, it's a take that you don't necessarily ever always get just the business side of it. So, uh, cheap plug and all that great stuff. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's we're, we're good at cheap plugs. <laughs> um, and once again, uh, changing gears completely. Uh, fuck Mary Kale the bullpen. Oh God. Okay. And I know who your fuck's going to be, and it's going to be Matt Albers. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's really not a good... It, mm. Oh, man. I think I might marry Albers, actually. That might be the bigger wow. problem. That might be the bigger problem. He just feels like he might be kind of more homely and could cook. So I'm going with Albers as I'm going to marry. Uh, okay. Let's see. Koda's kind of handsome. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with him to F as we'll wow, say. Wow, not even saying it. Okay. <laughs> I'm so used to not cursing on my shows. It's great. And uh, who am I going to kill? That's a great one. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. There are, some good, there are some good candidates right now. Um, I'm taking Ali Perez out. We, we need his spot bad. So I'm, I'm, that's yeah. who I'm going with. Sorry, Ali. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Um, who I think I would, uh, I would fuck Coda because, you know, it would get a little crazy. Yeah, I, I, those tattoos got me a little intrigued. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Um, let's see, Mary, I think I would settle down with Sean Kelly. Yeah, he seems like he would be a good, good relationship guy. He seems gentle. He's been through some injuries, so he's, he's hardened. I really do think we are like the worst two people to be answering this question, by the oh, way. Oh, no the, question. Which is the great the, part about it, yeah. But when the Dan <laughs> asks the question, we're going to answer oh, it. I answer the Dan, yeah. Because we answer questions on the show, and that's what we do. And Joe's going to be like, how did you guys record for an hour and a half? And I hate you. <laughs> right. And that's fine. Uh, and I would kill Blake Trinan because he's dead to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm hoping for a rebound. Yeah. Ugh. Let's see. 
Although maybe he'd be a good F because then maybe he might turn it around. And he is kind of handsome. Uh, maybe I might change my mind now. Maybe that might get, yeah. him, get him going on the right path, so to speak. And then we had a couple questions on Jason Wirth's uh, off-season and extracurricular activities today that came out. Did you see those? I saw, but I didn't dive too deep into that pond because I was worried that I might never get out of the vortex. Yeah, I, I, I read an article, and uh, we got some good questions. I think the most enjoyable question was... Uh, if other players were farmers slash ranchers, what would they gl- grow slash raise? Legally or illegally? Uh, I, I, dude, this is go for it. Any, anything. This is open ended. Wow. Right, only nationals? Or are we talking all MLB? It says players, so I'm going to go ahead and say uh, take it how you want. Mm, okay. Uh, I'm going to say take it how you want. I think there's a pretty good chance that Justin Turner might have some kind of a, uh, a marijuana dispensary field going on in the uh, Mendocino area in California. That, that's what I'm wow. going with. I just got a feeling. Uh, oh, I like is that. Is Lincecum still is – still, is he still active? Because he might be up there too. I do not think he is because he probably owns a dispensary himself. I mean, in Washington State, I know it's a little different story. So he might be – that's where I'm going with right there. That's that's a really really good answer. Let's see. Um, it's got to be Madison Bumgarner has to have cows. I oh, mean, there's a thousand percent. My favorite part of the Madison Bumgarner is the fact that he dated a girl in high school named Madison Bumgarner with the same name. And apparently, Deadspin <laughs> just did like a search for Madison Bumgarner. It's amazing. So I didn't it, read it yet, and I want to. I mean, how is that even possible that, I mean, and not even like Bumgartner, like spelled kind of quasi-normally. No, spelled like with his weird spelling of the last name. It's amazing. That's terrifying. And he lived in a town that was very small. Small. The whole thing. It's, uh, at least you never forget, you know, you can't ever call the wrong name, I guess. <laughs> yeah, how do you introduce that girl to your parents? <laughs> Ooh. Madison, Oof. no, no, wait, the other one. Oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's see. Uh, who other? Who else would raise things or farm things? Let's see. Yeah, I think Jose Reyes is Pablo Escobar. Yeah, I could see that. I could, I could def- totally see it. Unfortunately, I've got to be very careful with my answers here. You um, know what? That's fine. <laughs> No one listens to the show anyway. Oh, okay. Um, and especially when we get to, you know, yeah, where we are. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Who else is growing things? That's a, that's a, that's a great question. Oh, Lord. Mm. I bet Danny Espinosa is growing something. I mean, he can grow a hell of a mustache, so I'm, I'm guessing he's growing something. Well, his wife just grew a beautiful baby. That's for sure. Well, congrats to him. Yes, that's right. And his tomato plants in the backyard are probably flourishing, too, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's California. That's how they roll. Mike Let's Trout's got to be a farmer, right? I mean, he's in the Mike weather. Mike Trout is just a meteorologist. He's growing whatever meteorologists grow. Like, But that's got to be a big advantage if you know what the weather's going to be, if you're going to be a farmer as well. That's a very good point. I, I think that might be kind of the hook. He might be like, I'm, I just know what's going to happen, so I know what to grow. Let's see. There's got to be one we're totally missing that everyone's going to be like, how are you not saying this? 
Mm. Yep, that's going to bother me. Anyway, I don't have any more questions from the people. Well, that's disappointing. Which is, it is a little bit uh, disappointing. We had some good but ones. But they did come through. I got to say, they came through in the collage for sure. Yeah, there were some good questions there. Uh, so I'm going to uh, give you a second here to uh, uh, thank you, first off, for uh, pinch hitting for Joe tonight, being co-host Nat's Talk on the Go for a night, one night only guest appearance. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been a real pleasure. Now, tell all the people your 15 Twitter accounts and 12 podcasts that you do and where we can find you. Uh, well, first of all, thanks thanks for letting me pinch hit, and uh, thanks to Joe for letting me pinch hit as well. It was a lot of fun. It's always fun to talk baseball with you and, and joke around for a while, so that was fun. Uh, uh, everything starts at, at NatsGM.com on Twitter. That's where you can find basically everything. Uh, my personal is the NatsGM, so if you want to hear more about wrestling and uh, a lot of other crazier things, you can follow me there as well. Wow, we didn't even talk about wrestling tonight. There were no wrestling questions. Oh, that's right. Because we didn't tell anyone that it was going to be you. That is that is that's a, a surprise. Point. But if you have any wrestling questions, you can go throw them at the Natch GM. How about that? That'll be fair for everybody. But uh, my site is NatchGM.com. Uh, do a lot. We got a lot of good draft stuff coming up. Uh, we have a really neat podcast coming up. Uh, I guess I can announce it because I've already recorded it. Grant Paulson will be on the show coming hopefully tomorrow. And uh, hopefully we have a nice guest for number 100 coming next week. So uh, excited about the show. And uh, like I said, at NatchGM.com, basically you can find everything that I'm up to or the NatchGM if you're trying to figure out uh, who's going to win a wrestling match. So uh, thanks again for uh, letting me uh, pinch hit. Independent wrestling, too. Yeah, actually more independent wrestling than uh, you can probably shake a stick at, yes. Well, that's going to do it for, uh, I don't even know what the hell episode this is for uh, Nat's Talk on the Go. So, thanks for joining us on this super long and fun edition. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Nat's Talk on the Go. For more information, check us out at natstalkonthego.com. To become a supporting member of the podcast, click on the special ops link at the top of the page or head right to natstalkonthego.com slash special ops. You can contact the guys at natstalkonthego on Twitter or send them an email at podcast at natstalkonthego.com. If you like what you heard, take a minute to review the podcast on iTunes and help us spread the word. See you next time. Let's go Nats!